Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everyone. Welcome in. Latest edition, new edition. New edition? Can you stand the rain? Another edition of the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. Thanks for making us a part of your evening this holiday as we record this on the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran join me as always. I'm happy to be here. I am Joey Powell. Uh, we are brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt, as you guys are likely all aware. Big fans of theirs. Can't wait to talk a little more hoops with you all tonight. Um... But hey, first things first, Sherelle, uh, let, let's cut right to the chase, the question everybody wants to answer. Uh, how do you feel about UNC's defensive line? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> absolutely all the talk everywhere right now around the IC community is about uh, the start of football season, and we appreciate that. Uh, but certainly we want to make sure that we're still getting your fill of basketball talk because we know there's a lot of you that that care about that stuff too, and the season's not very far away. I will say – uh, before we dig in, I'm very grateful for all the folks that came by the uh, Inside Carolina Live tailgate yesterday. Uh, Sherelle made an appearance and happy to see him in the flesh. But uh, a lot of folks came by and introduced themselves and just really said, hey, and they uh, said they appreciate the work that we do on on this show, but also on all the other IC stuff. So I uh, really appreciate that from everybody. It's nice to to meet some of you in person. And hey, the next time you're in the Bulls lot for a football game tailgate, come by and say, hey. Uh, certainly would love to put some uh, face with some names or face with some handles or however you guys want to phrase it. But we appreciate all the support. Appreciate all of you guys tuning in and making us a part of your uh, your routine or your game day or whatever, whatever you want to call it. We're grateful for you. With that said, boys, I think we found something last week. Um, we got uh, a new little format that we were going to do these previews in. And so tonight we'll take the, the second step in that. We're going to talk about the juniors and seniors on UNC's roster. Um, you know, seniors being R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott, uh, who have been on campus for a long time. Uh, Tar Heel fans are, are going to see their their names etched in a lot of record books for a long time after this. I will also talk a little bit tonight about Jalen Withers and Harrison Ingram. They're transfers, but they do have extended eligibility and uh, have more years to play on this UNC roster. So we'll start again asking a couple of questions of Sherelle and Sean, talking about each one of those four players. Uh, and then, back by popular demand, the game that has taken over all of the podcast world, uh, and, and you heard it here first, like tens of thousands of people are clamoring for the return of No Cap or Sus right here on the Coast to Coast podcast. So we'll get to that in the second half of the show, have a little bit of fun there. Let's get started, shall we? Uh, Sherelle, first things first. Why don't we jump into Jalen Withers, uh, a kid from North Carolina, committed to Louisville, has now transferred back uh, back home on the char- uh, roster in Chapel Hill for Coach Hubert Davis and his team. So the first thing first, I'm going to ask the same questions we did last week for each player. Sherelle, what will success look like this season for Jalen Withers? Uh, I think success for him is knocking down open shots. Um, and continuing to rebound like he has uh, in the past. I think especially his freshman year, he, he played a little, he, he's played multiple positions at Louisville out of necessity. 
Um, but I think the constant really has been his rebounding. And then uh, two of the three years, he shot decently uh, from three, albeit in a small sample size his freshman year. So I think uh, we, we've talked about all the time over and over again since the season ended about if UNC could just hit one or two more threes per game, especially the open ones. If they could knock a few of those down, it, it changes the outlook of the season completely um, just by those two or three shots a game. And so I think uh, for Withers, if he can, again, I don't think he has to shoot 44%, I think it was, like he did in conference play. Um, but if he can be competent, you know, 35 36% on, um, you know, from three-point range and also knock down a, a, a large majority of his open shots, he can do that um, and then spell Harrison Ingram, you know, at the four at times and be a reliable rebounder, then I think it's a successful season for him. I, I don't think there's any grand designs on him being a full-time starter. Um, he, he might, you know, start some games, but I don't think he'll be a full-time starter or anything. Um, I don't think he's going to be an all-ACC guy or anything like that. I think just solid production is what UNC needs for him, and that will make it a successful season. Sean, um, happy that you're here and have beaten down the uh, technical difficulty bug. I want to ask you what you think fans can expect from Jalen Withers. You know, again, that people saw him play for Louisville, uh, and he had the ability to be a dynamic contributor for that roster, despite the shambles that it was last season. What do you think fans should expect from Jalen Withers this year in a Tar Heel uniform? I think uh, similar to what Sherell said, a, a large part is going to come down to his, his three-point shooting. If he can, what I don't think he needs to hit the 40% or above, but he if he's in the high high 30s. Uh, last year, he was also 90% overall in catch-and-shoot situations, but I think in addition, he's not a guy that is going to break break defenders down, but I think if he's able to attack using two to three straight line dribbles um, just to make people respect him off off the three point line, I think that'll be that'll be a success. Uh, strong defensive rebounder. I think also if he's able to both offensively and defensively switch be- between that four, maybe a little bit of the three, maybe even go up if if need be. But I think. From a defensive perspective, if he's able to provide some of that hybrid versatility uh, that we think Hubert's looking for at that spot, I think that'll be a success. It'll be interesting to see from a, either a starting perspective or, or first man off the bench how that works and how he does fit in, uh, both from a, a chemistry standpoint as well as a talent standpoint. Because two years ago, he did, uh, you know, the shooting numbers were, were subpar. So he, he did really increase, even though Louisville was one of the worst power five teams there that has existed he did shoot the ball well and he shot the ball efficiently uh but once again was at a, a one-year time frame so if he can stay consistent with his outside shot and and bring a little bit both offensively and defensively i don't think anybody's expecting him to average 15 points per game but if he can stay in that uh, i'd say 8 to 11 points per game i think that would be a victory Cheryl, i'm gonna come back and already break format here uh but i can do that because i have the I have the controls. Um, Louisville, indeed, and Sean hinted at it, Louisville was a kind of a train wreck at a dumpster fire last year. How much can just finding that new environment do for a player mentally so that it leads to the physical? I mean, how many times have we talk about just in post games with Dewey or over with Bobby Frazier over the years or your private conversations with some of the people you know in the program, they always talk about confidence, just how important we had Jawad on uh, last year in the preseason, just how important confidence for a guy like Leakey was, confidence, you know, for a guy like Armando was. So when you're playing at a program like Louisville, which again, as we have all said, is was one of the worst, uh, you know, teams in ACC history, I, I don't know how you can be terribly confident because pretty much every game you know you're going to lose by, you know, 15 to 20, with the exceptions of, of, of a few close ones here or there. I think coming to a program like UNC, um, you're reinvigorated, not only because of your personal circumstance, but you know that the people around you are going to be as hungry as you are because they were in a similar, I won't say similar, but they were in a very disappointing situation as well. So I think when you add two parties who both need fresh starts, um, it's very easy to have confidence. It's very easy to kind of get back to maybe who you were um, from a confidence level. And then, you know, it, it can be understated. You know, he is a North Carolina kid. He's from Charlotte. He's grown up around a lot of Carolina fans. Um, he's been in the state. He, it, it's important to him. 
So I think you can't put a, a price on that either. Just the the premium that comes with North Carolina kids playing at North Carolina. So once you add all that together, I think there's more comfort. Um, he'll have a point guard, which he didn't have last year. He really have two. <laughs> he, he didn't have a, he went from no point guards to two. So he add all that together. And I think you'll get a, a more confident, assertive player who has shown his ability to, to really, you know, be good uh, in the ACC. If nothing else, from an outsider's perspective, it looks that he is adjusting well with this team. Uh, I actually saw him tailgating in Charlotte with uh, RJ and Armando yesterday, just having the college student experience, which I'm sure he got to do some of that at, at Louisville. But, you know, to your point, being back in, in what feels like a home environment for him uh, just must be uh, the potential for a lot of really good things in the future this season. All right, moving on to our next player tonight. Um, let's talk about Harrison Ingram, a guy that North Carolina recruited really hard. Hubert Davis thought they were going to get him, uh, and it just didn't materialize. He ended up at, at Stanford. But, hey, you know, never say never. Uh, he's back in Chapel Hill. We'll be playing for the Tar Heels this year. Sean, I'm coming to you first. What does success look like for Harrison Ingram uh, for the Tar Heels in 2023? I think, uh, you know, getting getting Ingram is, is going to be – how he plays is going to be really important in terms of the actual long-term success of the Tar Heels. Uh, you know, he had fairly high expectations coming into Stanford as being a potential one and done. I think he was right on that, that border in, in terms of ranking as well as ability, but he was kind of that next five-star uh, player in, in Stanford. And I think for him, probably not meant to carry a team, but I think he can be a very strong third, fourth option, a uh, very high IQ basketball player. Uh, I think before Elliot Cadeau reclass, he would have been the best, best passer mm-hmm. on the team. Uh, but he, you know, he's a guy very versatile from uh, being able to score, being able to rebound, pass the ball, handle the ball. Uh, so I think success just takes what he did at Stanford, but from an efficiency standpoint, increases that. I think also from a three point percentage, he was 30%, 31%. Uh, so that, that needs to get up to, in my mind, I think I, ideally no less than 33, but 34 to 36%. He did have a pretty, you know, and I think one of the things, whether it's UNC or Kansas, some of the schools that were recruiting him pretty hard, looked at his catch and shoot numbers, um, and spot up numbers and, and saw the potential there somewhat of a slow release. Uh, so I think that, you know, that's, that's one thing, but overall, I think a very cerebral, Ball player, he he played against the best of the best in AAU, playing up two years. Um, so I think success looks like him averaging ten to twelve points, uh, keeping the assist numbers high, and and being able to once again help the help the ball movement and help the overall IQ of the team. Uh, but I think how he does will largely determine because uh, he's going to be a big, you know, a, a big piece next to let's call it the big two of Armando and RJ. So how he does, I think we're really, you know, is it a tournament team or is it a, a championship type team? Sure. What can fans expect from him? Yeah, you know, I think, I think we've seen, as Sean alluded to a little bit, versatility is 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 a little, um, I don't know, may, maybe a little understated for his game, but I do think he's he's a kid that can kind of do a lot of different things. So so what should UNC fans be able to count on from Harrison Ingram when he plays next season? I think his passing is probably the the number one thing. Uh, I think versatility is is probably number two, and it, it's interesting how he's looked at. Uh, well, I'll say this first off: in talking to some people, I, I know the big question is: is he going to play the three? Is he going to play the four? Or can he play the three? The people I've talked to who I will say know basketball and have some knowledge of the Carolina program have said without hesitation that he can play the three at UNC. Now, does that mean? They're going to ask him to do different things from what Leaky Black, who's been the primary three for, I guess, the past three seasons. Are they going to ask him to do different things? Are they going to compensate? I, I don't have that answer, uh, but I, I do know that they believe he can play the three. So I wanted to put that out there. He will play some four. Um, he's played some four in, in practices and pickup, but I, I do think he's capable. Um, with, with him, you know, like I said, the passing and the versatility, it, it, it is just interesting because the narrative that's kind of been formed is that you know, he had this great freshman season. He was Pac-12 freshman of the year. And then he really kind of, I don't want to say fell off the cliff, but dropped off considerably um, as a sophomore. But you look at the numbers and his offensive rating was higher last year than it was his freshman year. 
his effective field goal percentage. Now, these aren't huge margins, but there is still an increase. Is better than it was his freshman year. His true shooting percentage was better last year than it was his freshman year. He was a better offensive rebounder last year than he was his freshman year. He had a higher assist rate his freshman his sophomore year than he did in his freshman year. Um, he shot better from the from the uh, from the field uh, from the two from you know two point range um, as a sophomore, and his three point percentage was basically the same. So it's weird, kind of trying to marry the fact where like some people almost label him a, a disappointment based upon his high school ranking and his freshman year when numerically his sophomore year was better than his freshman year. So I, I find that part um, interesting, but I, I think it's really important for him. Sean said the big two, there's no pressure on him relative to what he had last year as being the go-to scorer, the primary creator, arguably the best rebounder on the team. He's now, you know, he's really kind of flying under the radar because everybody knows this team is RJ Davis. They know it's Armando Baycott. And then when you have a freshman like Elliot Cadeau come in, he's getting a lot of the attention. So a player as talented as Harrison Ingram is kind of in the background. And I think that's maybe where he'll be a lot more um, efficient and probably even more productive than he was at Stanford because he's not going to be relied upon to do nearly as much. Sean, I'm asking just because, you know, you're on the left coast, you probably saw a little more Stanford ball than, than Shrell and I did, even if that's like a few minutes, it's more than, than probably I saw over the course of the season. Do you think that that maybe the fit there was just the fact that there wasn't a fit? I'm, I'm stumbling over my words now, but I mean, do you think that his, to Sherelle's point, the fact that he didn't meet the expectations a lot of people had of him was just due to the environment and maybe that system wasn't it or maybe the fact that he was relied on too much? I think probably the the latter to a certain extent. I mean, I think Stanford has always been kind of one – one player away where, uh, you know, outside of Zaire Williams, I think they've had some guys that have left, left maybe in a year earlier than expected, uh, where I think if, if Ingram was able to have played with a Zaire or played with, um, you know, some other, other talent, perhaps that could have been, could have been different. Uh, you know, I thought coming back, uh, cause I know that was a, that was a decision that, that took a little while. Was he going to come back? For a sophomore year, uh, so I, I definitely expected him to have a stronger, stronger year than he did. I, I know Charles just went through the stats, but in terms of, um, you know, where he's at now, I, I think most people would not have predicted that when he did come back to Stanford. But I think in in general, that that team did have its its struggles. Um, you know, struggling in the the Pac-12. Uh, you know, they they did have a, a big win against Arizona during the season, but that was you know one of few and Far between, uh, few and far between wins, and you look at Ken Palm in terms of the ranking, and they're you know in the 80s and, and 100. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it was fit or style, but once again, I think surrounded by more talented players, I think he can he can definitely uh, get to you know where maybe people thought he could have been. Uh, but once again, when he came out of high school, ranked fairly fairly highly, it wasn't this explosive athlete uh it was just a very smart basketball player that that uh you know he played almost all point guard in in aau play and he was a guy that knew when to look for a shot knew when to, how to get teammates involved early was able to uh run the pick and roll uh no you know able to hit the three and he was doing it at a at his pace uh so he wasn't sped up he he wasn't bothered by uh more athletic guys but I think a new setting will will do him well, and a, and a setting where he isn't the go-to guy. Uh, but I think one of the overall concerns, whether it's Ingram, whether it's et cetera, is there enough athleticism where you guy where you have guys that maybe aren't the best at at breaking breaking the defenders down or or getting and, and finishing at the rim? Will there be enough athleticism? But I think he's going to be able to pick his spots and pick and roll. Uh, but how he plays with both RJ and Elliott. I think will be one of the biggest things I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that how that works out. Thanks for that, and that'll definitely be an intriguing pairing to see a, a guy like that with that skill set and that um, well-rounded of a game, not having the pressure on his shoulders and having more weapons around him, going from zero point guards to two, as you guys both threw out there. 
Uh, that's that's a heck of a new opportunity for for a talented player. Uh, moving on to the next two guys, and North Carolina fans have probably talked every single thing about Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis that they possibly can. Uh, we've talked about them forever on this show, and both good, bad, and, and, and indifferent. I think this is going to be a little bit of a tricky question for each one of you, but I don't doubt your abilities to lay out some facts and provide a very plausible and uh, contemplative answer. So, Sean, I'm coming to you first. Uh, help me understand what success looks like for R.J. Davis this season. I think for, for him, I mean, since he – we, we have talked about him for a while, especially with the COVID year. And there wasn't, during the summer, there wasn't a lot to talk about. But I think one of the things coming into Chapel Hill we were most excited about was here's a guy that played very, very well, obviously on the high school level, AAU level, shot over 40% from three at, in Nike EYBL. And from a size and, and stature perspective, you didn't see him being a one and done or a guy that left early, which, which has proven to be correct. And we did think he would be a guy that when you – after four years, you look at the UNC scoring ranks and he's going to be up there. And I think if he, if he has a season, just like the past two, he could get easily in the, in the top 15, perhaps uh, get into that number 12 or 11, right around MJ's MJ's spot. Uh, so I think, you know, for him and you, you've seen his points increase from, uh, you know, eight and a half to 13 and a half to 16.1. And I do think success is uh, him continuing to, to slightly increase that i don't think it's going to be 20 or anything like that especially with the talent around him but if he's at 16 to 17 uh per game because i think with cadeau uh he's going to be able to look for a shot a little bit more he's going to have better shots ideally and i'm hoping that it's not almost a back and forth um you know type of situation sometimes where it was with with him and caleb mm-hmm. so i think for him it's you know can he stay at that 36 percent at a minimum i would love to see him get get into that 40% three-point range. Uh, Cause I know he had, he definitely had stretches both sophomore year and, and junior year where, you know, he was playing really well junior last year. I think when he, when he got injured, that started to, to come down after the Syracuse game because he was start off slow was, was shooting the lights out. Yep. Uh, so I think if he's taking smart shots uh, you know, and, and scoring is going to be what he does best. I know he wants to play with the ball in his hands and, and show that he can play, be a point guard, but, if he's almost a Marcus Howard Jr. light, uh, I think to me that would be something I would love to see. Where forget forget the size, forget the position, do what you do best, and that's that score, and um, you know do that in an efficient way. So I think for him, it's going to be increasing the scoring, ideally increasing that three point percentage just a little bit, uh, and then from a just a I'd say a, a mental standpoint, being able to coexist with a, a true freshman, new guys coming in. Obviously, it's his team and Armando's team, but you know, from a, a sharing perspective and in, incorporating everybody, can can the maturity of being a senior, uh, you know, can't does that show on the court in terms of him knowing how to pick his spots and and really include everybody? I think some of the things I hated the most last year were the over dribbling and and uh, you know, kind of when he did have his head down, which was a lot, but it de- definitely did happen, whether it was in transition. Uh, or or working off the pick and roll. So I think if he's able to keep his head up, you know, look for teammates and and once again going back to scoring and, and shooting the ball a little bit better. Shrill, I think you may have a little bit of an easy answer here because as Sean uh, nicely pointed out, RJ's role is going to be a little different this year with Elliot Cadeau being a true point guard. And I think that may help ignite the score in him a little bit. So I want to ask you, Shrill, same second question we've been asking. What do you think fans can count on from RJ this year? Because it may be a little different than what they've been able to count on from him in the past. I think it's going to be the three-point shooting. And I'll get back to that. But to answer your question, Sean, so RJ has 1,304 points. So he needs 560 points to pass Walter Davis into 10th um, all-time in UNC history, which comes out over 33 games, which is what they played last year. He needs to average 16.9 points over 33 games to get into the top 10 uh, scoring all time at UNC. So a, a chance, um, especially if they make, you know, deeper runs into the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament that lowers that number a bit, but you know, 16.9 is not, not far fetched for him. I don't, I don't think. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, but Joey, yeah, I, I think it's the three point shooting. It's the thing, excuse me, that they'll be able to count on for RJ Davis. Um, similar to, 
Harrison Ingram, if you start just looking at the numbers like year in, year out, every year <clears throat> since he arrived at UNC, RJ Davis has gotten better. So <clears throat> his effective field goal percentage is nine points higher than it was his freshman year uh, as a junior. Uh, each year it's it's been iterative. Each year it's gotten better. Um, his three-point shooting, uh, it leveled off last year, but he's been at 36% pretty much each of the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all agree that he probably would have been higher if he stayed healthy. Uh, to Sean's point, he had some stretches there where he was absolutely on fire. So I think that is closer to har- who R.J. Davis is. Um, so I, I expect him. Like, I'm, I'm, if we do uh, over-under show or whatever, I, I'm taking, if it's 39 and a half, his three-point percentage, I'm taking the over. I, I think Hold he's a guy thought. who, I think he can shoot 40% from three. And I think that's what you'll count on from UNC because, again, can't be overstated. With Harrison Ingram and Elliot Cadeau on the roster, he's going to get open shots and a lot yeah. more, I think, than he got in the past because the ball is going to move. Even Cormac Ryan, to some degree, um, just smart basketball players who are not going to let the ball stick. So um, I think the three-point shooting is what you can count on. I love you guys. That uh, that 36% uh, from three field goal percentage is going to come up a little bit later. So hang on to that thought and that line of thinking. All right, last one. Same two questions. Uh, Sherelle, I'm going to start with you, uh, continuing our little snaking of questions here. Armando Baycott, uh, this is a guy that absolutely could have left almost four times, I think, uh, and gone to play professionally, whether you think that's a long uh, NBA career, whether you think that's a, a career other, you know, in other places in professional environments overseas. He had the chance, that's for sure, and now is working on his MBA in his fifth year at UNC and still feels, even though he's the all-time leading rebounder in Tar Heel history, Still feels he's got a lot of things left to prove, which blows my mind as, as somebody who watches ball, but uh, certainly want to see what he's able to pull off of this. Sherelle, what does success look like this year for Armando Baycott in a world where we rarely see guys stay four years, much less five with the free COVID year? What does it look like for him this year? I think it looks the same as the last two years. It's keep doing what you're doing. I think um, too often, uh, let me tell a story. So, uh, this this comes back to it, it it'll get there I promise. Um, we were talking about James Brown, UNC's twenty twenty four center with Eric Bossy one time, and he said what he loves about James Brown is that he knows who he is, he understands why he's in the position that he's in, and while he might try to do other things occasionally, he always goes back to it because that's what he's best at. And you probably should do what you're best at. You should be out on the court experimenting and, and trying new things um, during competitive ACC basketball games. So I think Armando Baycott has learned that over the last couple of years. I mean, we've gone, it's not to say that he can't like expand his range and, and do more with his jump shot. But I think when it gets to the nitty gritty and you get into games, you revert back to what you do best. And so for Armando, it's, you know, getting in the paint. It, it's, uh, you know, the little hook shot. It's powering through guys. It's rebounding. So like for him, I think just just do what you do. Um, it, you don't have to add something every single year. You can just be really good at two or three things like i always get annoyed at the pitchers who are like i've got seven pitches it's like yeah but are they any good like if you have a fastball and a slider you're you're good as long if they're good you're good throw and, three good ones i don't need right. three and then four that are garbage right right so i think that's the key for armando that's what success looks like for him is just continue you know where he's going he can be more efficient sure um there's there's ability to get better in the margins but overall I, there's not a lot of there's not a lot that needs to change for him. And a quick note, since we're talking about records, uh, you know, his scoring numbers will probably have to have an asterisk beside him because he's going to have an extra year. Mm-hmm. But he needs 54 points to to pass Walter Davis to be in the top 10. And with a good season, he'll likely be UNC's second or third uh, leading scorer of all time. He's not going to catch Hansborough. It's just not going to happen. But uh, he'll probably be, you know, top two or three in points with an asterisk because he's five years. And he'll be number one in rebounding without an asterisk because he did it in four. Just watching the numbers based on the the slight dynamic change of of personnel in the roster is going to be f- uh, just absolutely fascinating as we go through the season. And I think it's going to be unique, too, as we consider now Armando is a grown-ass man, right? You were talking about a kid who, when he got to campus, you know, was still growing into his body and was still uh, big. But now he's just full-on grown man muscle and is built out accordingly. And so you'd kind of like to see him just start going through guys' chests on a regular basis. Uh, to your point, Sherelle, that that's where he's been really effective on the block, whether it's 
using that little jump hook and then setting that up to start going through guys. But you'd like to start seeing some of that old man scrimp uh, just becoming a, a routine part of his game. Sean, what do you think fans can count on from Armando this year? And again, I recognize I'm kind of hamstringing you guys and asking you stuff about players that we've seen a whole lot of. Uh, get creative if you want to, but uh, I got to throw the same question at you for the sake of the integrity of the format for the show today. I don't know how creative you can get on on this one uh, in terms of what you can count on, but uh, you know, double doubles. Um, I know last year we did the over under on on how many double doubles. I would expect that to probably go up a little bit. Uh, I know he he kind of took him a little while to get going in the the preseason uh, or not the preseason, but the the non conference last year. I think. Hopefully, one thing I would like to see is that that hunger uh, throughout the year, and, and obviously, what happened last year should provide that versus, uh, you know, coming as close as they did two seasons ago. So I think, um, you know, what you can count on rebounding most likely will be the top offensive rebounder in the ACC. Uh, double doubles, very effective around around the rim. Uh, I think if he can get some easier baskets, we saw a few games where they're running the floor and, and, you know, passes were, were going ahead. Once again, going back to Cadeau, I think that's a, that's a situation where maybe it's, uh, you know, two on average uh, per game, if, if not more, just easier, easier baskets that he's getting. Uh, I, I think we've seen improvements, especially from the sophomore to junior year on him catching the ball on the block and being very efficient uh, with a dribble and, and a quick move. I think, I know we've seen the the videos of the three point shooting uh, in in workouts, and I know we've been hearing about that now for for three going into three seasons. But even going back to his sophomore year, where he was hitting, uh, you know, a, f- a free throw line extended jump shot down to about fifteen feet, if he's able to hit a few of those, I, I think that does open up the floor uh, a lot just for him in terms of being able to attack, uh, spin left. Or just attack going going left-handed. Uh, so I, I am curious to see if that can be something he's added to his game, uh, which I would definitely like to see as as he wanted to come back. So you want to see what he can add. Um, but yeah, I think from a double-double perspective. And then my biggest question, the few games that he does see length thrown at him, how does he mm-hmm. handle that? Because uh, last year, whether it was Duke, Florida State, uh, there were some struggles where you put a taller, longer defender around uh, on him, and and he kind of, uh, you know, he mentally he wasn't he wasn't there. And whether that was picking up a, a cheap foul, uh, teams picking up an offensive foul when he does put his chest or his his shoulder into your chest. So I think always being uh, mentally focused, where that maybe got got a little bit away towards the end of last season, and then finally health, you can't control that. But hopefully he's worked on his on his body and and feels good coming into the into the season. That's, I think that's pretty, pretty well done considering what I was asking of you in that situation, Sean. So uh, definitely get an A for effort, and uh, the execution was was at least uh, at the league average. So I appreciate you there. Um, one of the things that I did notice, uh, I mentioned that some of the players were were out tailgating and just being college kids yesterday and uh, kind of mingling with fans and enjoying themselves. Uh, it was really cool to see. Uh, I think there was a lot of Johnny T-shirt gear uh, being um, being represented in, in that group yesterday. So uh, I want to make sure that if you are coming to Chapel Hill this coming weekend for the home opener against Appalachian State, I mean, I know somewhere you need to go by. It's right there on East Franklin Street in Chapel Hill or right there in your little uh, your little browser address search area on your uh, on your computer, on the interwebs there, you know, place where you put in the addresses and check that out. Hit a little johnnytshirt.com. Get some new stuff. They've got amazing, amazing selection of football gear for every fan in your life. Uh, or if you're going to be on campus, show up early Saturday, swing by East Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. Johnny T-Shirt is a huge supporter of Inside Carolina. Real great partners of ours. Uh, we'll start up our giveaway again next week on the Inside Carolina Live pregame show. Johnny T-Shirt's always hooking us up with a nice, beautiful gift card to give away to uh, – to listeners and 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 you think I'm joking when I say beautiful? No, beautiful is the right word because you can turn a gift card into anything from Johnny T-shirt you want. Am I eligible for the gift card? Negative, Ghost Rider. Oh. Uh, the pattern is full, uh, but uh, you are eligible to come by and get some awesome Inside Carolina swag as you did yesterday. But yeah, Johnny T-shirt, 
Franklin Street and Chapel Hill premium subscribers to Inside Carolina know you get that extra 10% off the top of their already amazing prices. Be sure to check them out. Thank them for their support, and we will thank you for doing so. The National Guys will come in here and run a few advertisements uh, if you're listening to the audio version of this. And video version, we'll just keep right along chugging. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Coast to Coast Podcast here. I'm Joey Powell. Sherelle McMillan, Sean Moran joining me always. So glad that those guys have made time on their Labor Day weekend to be a part of this. All right, guys, we've gone through and kind of broke down what we expect from the juniors and Caesars uh, that are on the Tar Heel roster. But now here's the real fun. Backed by popular demand. The rage that had the entire internet ablaze last week. Uh, the new game that has taken over I mean, we're, we're having to, to screen calls from the Game Show Network, various other online properties of people that want to, to turn no cap or sus into, you know, an empire. Uh, we're, we're not quite ready for that. We're going to keep that here just between us. But we're going to play our second, second work of no cap or sus for all of you here tonight. Again, no cap or sus is a game that came, uh, that came to us because we felt like we were kind of being, being chuggy. We feel like we were being old and lame, according to the kids out there on the streets. And so we want to kind of freshen things up a little bit. And thus, we're bringing you no cap or sus. So how it works, I'm going to make a statement. And Sherelle Sherelle and Sean are going to say, hey, I agree with that statement, no cap. Or they're going to say, I disagree with that statement. And it it might not be quite quite correct. And I have some suspicions around it. They're going to say that it's, it's sus or suspect. All right. So let's get rolling. Same deal. I'll throw the statement out. Uh, Sherelle and Son will each have a chance to respond with no cap or sus, and we'll keep it moving. Just trying to have some fun here as we as we get into the summer and, and try to get basketball close to us as we ruled ever closer to the middle of October when practice officially starts. All right, first statement in the second episode of No Cap or Sus here on Inside Carolina's Coast to Coast podcast. Sean Moran, I come to you. Sir, Jalen Withers will hit four threes in a game this coming season. You think that is no cap, or do you think that is sus? Uh, that is a good one. I will, I will go uh, no cap on that one. I think there could be a game where he does get hot uh, once again. Put him in the corners, drive and kick, uh, kick out some some open shooters. If he gets hot, I think four or more is is doable. Hey, shooter, shoot right. Uh, Sherelle McMillan, having guys that can put the ball where shooters need to get it. Jalen Withers will hit four threes in a game this season. Is that no cap or is that sus? I concur with the esteemed gentleman from Los Angeles. That is no cap. That will happen. The California delegation has made a movement uh, and has so moved or made a motion and so moved and has been ratified that that is indeed no cap and Jalen Withers will hit four threes in a game this season for the Tar Heels. All right, next. We, we have not disagreed on one yet, so I'm looking forward to seeing. Didn't y'all split one last week? Am I am I misremembering that? I don't think so. All right. Well, so, all right. Next one. Sherelle, I'll start with you this time. Harrison Ingram will start more than 25 games for the Tar Heels. Is that no cap or is that sus? Oh, that's like, that's completely no cap. There's, okay. I mean, I, I don't think that's even a question, honestly. Like, you don't, you don't recruit someone like Harrison Ingram beat Kansas for him to not start him as much as possible. Now, I guess you could factor injuries into there, you know, could, could that be a consideration? But as far as like him as a player, yeah, I, 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 I think he's going to start every game, but senior night, you know, and maybe he'll start senior night too. I don't know. But yeah, I, I think he's embedded in the starting lineup and that's, that's a non-starter. 
I love how you're getting adamant about it. That means it is truly no cap. Sean, same question. Harrison Inger will start more than 25 games this season. Uh, no cap. Agree with Sherelle on, on that one, unless there's a there, there's an injury. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't foresee him coming off the bench unless uh, you know there was something drastic that that happened this year. All right, I love the fact that you guys mentioned earlier. I really do want y'all to split up on an answer now. But I love that you mentioned earlier about R.J. Davis's shooting uh, being around that 30% mark. He did shoot 36.1% from three last year. So the question I put here for the next round of no cap or sus, Sean Moran. R.J. Davis will shoot 36% or better from three this coming season. No cap or sus? I thought you were going to go maybe a little bit higher higher percentage. I think that's where we could have uh, could have differed. But over 30, 36% uh, going to go no cap with that one. Uh, you know, going back to his sophomore year, he did shoot uh, 40% in conference conference play. And I know early, early in the year, he was in the low 30s because uh, there was a lot of uh, struggling shooting the ball. Obviously, that continued from a team perspective, but he did get that percentage back up to to rival his sophomore year. So, uh, I, I will go no cap with that one. I think thirty eight percent. I might have gone gone under, but thirty six going up. Man, you were you were just absolutely clamping down on that two percent uh, variation there. Uh, that delta is wide for Mr. Moran. Sherelle, R.J. Davis will shoot thirty six percent or better from three. No cap or sus. Before I answer that, yeah, I, I wanted to talk about Sean and the 36%. We were tracking a number. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but there had never been a Carolina team that didn't have someone who shot at least 32% or better for a season. And up until probably the last eight or so games, Carolina didn't have anyone who was shooting yeah. 32% or better. And Davis just got hot, I, I guess, the last month or so, and it got way up to 36 because, I mean, he at one point earlier in the season – I think he was in the twenties, the high twenties as well. So um, that's why I think it's a legit question because yeah. I, again, the thirty six, and then recognizing that his role is going to shift a little bit. You know, maybe he, maybe he blows that out of the water. I don't know. That's why. Yeah. That's why I posed the question to you, gentlemen. Yeah. So I, I will answer the question by saying no cap because I think he's going to be in the forties. I really, really do, um, for the reasons we talked about earlier, and the fact that you know, despite some of the situations that he's been in over the last two years. He still managed to shoot 36%. He made 63, so excuse me, 66 threes as a sophomore and 63 last year. So even with all the kind of rocky situations with, you know, how the team was playing and when they weren't playing great and no one else being a perimeter threat, he still was able to be consistent, you know, despite the environment around him. So I think he'll have a, a, a better environment in which to, th- to to flourish next year. And I do expect him to shoot 40%. I, I think, I think, you know, 75, 83s isn't out of the question either. I love that you have, uh, you've already got some hypothetical stats to throw out behind that. Uh, and you know what, guys? This game is absolutely taking off. I'm looking at a chat right now that has multiple players participating in no cap or sus. And, and guys are doing just like you, Sherelle, and backing that with, with, with numbers. And this, uh, whoever this South Carolina person is, amazing how Rattler outplayed the Wally overhyped May despite yeah. literally having zero. Sir, this yeah. is a Wendy's. Yeah, yeah. Like, did he really outplay him? What, what are we even more, doing right now? He just had more opportunities because he had no running game. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if Drake May had to throw 50 times, I'm sure he would have had 400 yards, but he didn't have to because UNT ran the ball for almost 170 yards. So, what also, are you doing? Also, you shout doing? out, shout out to somebody who is who is in the chat for a Carolina uh, Carolina basketball podcast. Want to coming in here to talk about absolutely non facts uh, from a, ba- a football game last night. For for a rival team, way to go! What, what do they say? Go, go touch some grass. Go touch some grass. Go touch some grass. Yeah, yeah. Go touch some grass. All right, last one. We'll we'll go ahead and throw this out to to you guys. And again, I'm I'm thankful for the folks that have joined us here on Labor Day weekend for a live show to talk basketball, especially after football just kicked off. Um, last question, Sean. I'll start with you. Actually, no, I'm gonna start with Shrugs. I'm been trying to snake you guys a little bit. Armando Baycott will average 30 minutes per game. We asked something similar in last year's over-under, okay? Uh, so I'm going to ask now, again, new lineup. Uh, Hubert Davis has been maligned all offseason about using and not using his bench, et cetera, et cetera. Going right now, Armando Baycott will average 30 minutes per game this coming season. Sherelle McMillan, is that statement no cap or sus? It's, it's, it's no cap uh, because we can only go by what we've seen. And what we've seen is that under Hubert Davis, Armando Baycott is going to play, and he's going to play a lot. So, um, and I don't think 
I know they have more bodies, but I still don't think you can afford to sit Armando for 10 or 11 or 12 minutes a game because he's that good. And I think the different, the, the wins above replacement for him is, is kind of off the charts in my opinion. So I think he'll be around 32, 33. Uh, Do you know what he was last year? Do you know what he was last year? 31. It was 30.3 last year. 30.3, so that, yeah. Uh, and that was, that was with having a uh, minimal replacement behind him, um, depending on who you talk to. So we'll, we'll have to see how that pans out this year, but uh, Sherelle says no cap. He's gone four for four, all no caps. Sean, no pressure. No cap this or sus. Uh, under, uh, oh, go ahead. This one's tough. I, I I'm gonna keep it. Keep, you know, keep uh, w- with Sherelle on this one. I think just over 30 minutes. I was surprised to look both 31.6 and then 30.3 last year. Um, obviously, you have the UVA game where he just played a, a few minutes, but there were a lot of games towards the end where he was under under 30. Uh, and, and I think early on, you'll probably see some high 20s for him. Uh, hopefully if they are taking care of business, which uh, has really been an issue the, the last two years for some of the games early on. But uh, I think you'll see Washington getting playing time and, and I'm trying to work him, work him getting rest. But at the end of the day, they have a, a very tough non-conference schedule. They have a tough uh, ACC and you're, you're not having your best player, uh, player of the year candidate, um, not, not get 30 plus minutes in those, those big games. Uh, and once again, with Hubert Davis, you know, he's going <laughs> to most likely go back to writing who he trusts in the second half. And uh, I'm going to go uh, no cap on that one, even though I was very heavily debating as uh, Sherelle was making his case. Sorry, I was breathing. I apologize. Um, let me go galaxy brain on this a little bit. I think the fact that he has, there's more depth for UNC will make Armando play more minutes because the times he didn't play minutes, like Sean said, was either he got hurt or he's in foul trouble. There were a couple of games where he picked up, you know, three in the first, you know, 10 minutes of the first half and he had to sit for a while, which obviously mm-hmm. will impact your minutes played. I think this year, if he gets, you know, a foul, he might, it, they'll be, feel more comfortable sitting him for two or three minutes as opposed to letting him play until he gets the second or the third, which then, you know, keeps him out for pretty much the rest of the half, if that makes sense. So like, because he has backups, he can get spelled, you know, a little more often, but maybe not as long. And he won't get in foul trouble where he has to sit for those long stretches. So when he picks up his second, they'll be able to lift him rather than forcing him to keep, you know, to stay in for a third because they didn't have an alternative. Right, right. And then, and before he would get his third and it's like, okay, he has to sit for the last eight minutes where he might get a second and he might have to sit from the under eight timeout to the under four timeout as opposed to sitting for the whole half. Yeah. Shout out to Tony Dowd in the chat too, by the way, just making the comment that, uh, you know, North Carolina needs him to be strong late in the season. And, Man, with this non-conference schedule that they've got lined up, I, I don't know how you'll how you're going to be able to to manage his minutes and, and budget his freshness. But uh, it's definitely going to be something up to the coaches who are making the uh, the nice contracts to be able to pull that off because it's it's going to mean all the difference in the world to have your best players uh, be able to give you minutes down the stretch when they're playing consequential games later in the year. You know that have postseason implications or are in the postseason. Um, all right, fellas. Uh, we have not got uh, a ton of questions in the chat, but I will uh, I will throw a couple of them at you as I see them. From our guy, Travis Faircloth. By the way, let me just put a wrap on No Cap or Sus. Nice job this week, guys. I will try to see if we can't get the hosts uh, and the producers to give you guys some some better stuff so that you're not all no capping everything uh, next week. We will see if we can't do a little bit better of that round. But this has been the second edition, the second episode of No Cap or Sus. Thank you guys for playing along. All right, now going to... Uh, going to our guy Travis Faircloth in the chat, who's asked a really good question: uh, Who is Armando Baycott's first off the bench backup, or do you think that UNC will play small when he goes out? I think it's a legit question. Uh, Sean, I'll come to you first. I think uh, Jalen Washington will be his first off the bench backup. Uh, you know, I think as we laid out uh, last episode, I think both uh, both now sophomores uh, are should be taking taking a leap. Uh, they didn't have a ton of playing time last year. So I think that leap will be minimal compared to uh, maybe some other guys we've seen, but I think it's going to be, if he's healthy, looking forward to seeing what he's doing coming off the bench. Uh, and, and once again, if he's to stay around and be a starter next season, I think he needs to be getting that, that playing time so that he isn't transferring, transferring out. But a lot of that will depend on health. And I still think a Conquo can, uh, 
can't get get some minutes, uh, you know, with his hustle and his rebounding ability as well. Uh, so I think I think they'll go they'll go big. Uh, but once again, there's a lot of different different options if they do need to go go small uh, up front. All right, Cheryl. Same question to you from Travis Faircloth about who is Armando's first replacement if he were to go to the bench. Yeah, I'm going to be a politician here, and I'm going to say it depends on the matchup because I truly believe that. I think Okwankwo uh, gives you a, a better look against certain teams, and I think probably Jalen Washington, especially you know in games where um, you might have to score 85 or, or 90 or 95 points to win. I think in that situation, maybe you go with Jalen Washington just because of um, some of the ability we, we've seen you know, kind of in practice and in high school, and we've heard about uh, for you know him to shoot, and then some of his offensive game that you know he had like against uh, Virginia. So I think you know in in a situation where you're going up and down the court and you need offense, maybe you go Jalen Washington. If it's a situation where uh, you know maybe R.J. Davis or Cormac Ryan is locked in and they can carry the offense, um, and you know there's a another six nine, two eighty huge guy in the post, then maybe you go Quanco just because he's a, a little more athletic. He's a little stronger, uh, more experienced, and he has that ruggedness to him. Uh, so I, I think it'll be situational, honestly. And I, I'm not trying to cop out, but I really believe that's how they're going to approach it. I mean, I think that's that's the luxury that this roster will have that they haven't had recently, where they really do seemingly have a fair balance, at least as we sit here in September. They seemingly have a fair balance of, of different looks that they can throw at you. Um, you know, we've talked about how it seems like Hubert Davis has a certain type that he wants to recruit and a certain type of player that he wants to, to bring in, whether it's, you know, from high school or the transfer portal, but they really do seemingly have some, some pieces that can show some versatility as a whole, depending on what their opponent's giving them or depending on who happens to be having a good or a bad night. I think it's, it's not a political answer at all. Sure. I think it's just one, you know, really analyzing what the situation is of, of this coming season. Um, with that said, we're going to put a bow on this, let everybody get back to their Memorial or Memorial, their Labor Day weekend. Man, I'm running out of gas quickly. Um, but uh, again, we appreciate everybody who joined us tonight. If you're listening to us via your podcast stream, hey, make sure you tell your friends. Uh, we want more subscribers. We want more listeners. We want more people getting involved. We will continue to do this show uh, up until – you know, up until we get closer into the season when we start going weekly. But uh, in two weeks, you can definitely check us out again where we will uh, preview the remaining members of UNC's roster. Uh, the guys that just transferred in will give you the same breakdowns that we've done for the last two weeks. And hopefully, you know, maybe you'll learn a little something about it. And if nothing else, we'll just have some more fun playing no cap or sus. Uh, but until next time, a special shout out to uh, John Sigley for producing, to Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran for being a part of the show. Uh, I love everybody being here. Like the show, subscribe, all that good stuff. Get us on YouTube, however you want to join us. Just make sure you're getting all this Inside Carolina content sent straight to you directly. All you got to do is consume it, man. We make it easy on you. Uh, shout out to Johnny T-Shirt. Thanks to everybody for being a part of it. We'll talk to you next time here on the Coast to Coast Podcast from InsideCarolina.com. I'm Joey Powell, Elite. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.